Thanks for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death, UFOs, and other creepy, Cults. weird, random shows. There you go. Yeah. Not uh, just naming things in the room. Oh my god. There's a cult of ghosts. I'm Cash. <laughs> oh, I'm mediocre. You're mediocre. That's Joel. That's Joel. Uh, we weren't talking about anything <laughs> awful and ridiculous no. before we started. Uh, what's going on, man? Life. It's December now. It, it was, is December. Was it December last I time? I think it was December. <laughs> it was December last time. It was. Yes, it was. Yeah, December. but now it's like really December. But now it's real. It's a week later. Fuck, dude. It's this, Christmas is like two weeks good. away. Three. Three? No, it's the, today was the oh, nine. Yeah, two. 16 days, so about yeah, a little over two 24th, weeks. 24th, 25th. I'm off the 23rd and the 24th. Cool. That was fist, me fist bumping. You guys yeah. can see that. I'm or off. Where I, uh, I was jerking I have off. three day weekends. So I'm like off. Standing up yeah. Joel. I'm, just, I'm just off uh, the, the Friday, Christmas Eve, <laughs> and New Year's Eve, which was Loser. Friday. Yeah. I'm off New Year's Eve, too. Plan on cool. keeping my streak alive and being in bed by ten o'clock. Oh, sweet! I don't need to see New Year. I plan on being arrested. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know why I would say that. <laughs> you put that energy on. Oh, there. I know. Uh, Fuck! Now you got to stay home. What? You just uh, yeah. yourself like crazy. I mean, that's usually where I am when I get blacked out drunk. Mm. Well, you just need to. I'd like to do karaoke. I'll, maybe I'll have a karaoke party New Year's Eve. Okay. I mean, just be it, me. As long as it ends by 10, I'm yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> well, 9.50. I need to come home. I mean, what break. happens after 10 on New Year's Eve? Nothing. Josh sleeps. Yeah. I mean, what's the point? Why well, get excited about it? I hate the... I, I'm the same way, yeah. I've seen this year no one's been like, 2022 is going to be my year. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one's tempting shit anymore. Like, we, just don't look it in the eye. Yeah, we all just, learned our lesson like yeah. back in... When was it? 2019, 2019 man. Like, yep. 2020 is my year. That was me. Wah, wah. 19 was a good year for your boy in the last two years. <laughs> but I think 2022 might be another, another year, year just like we have it. to try to get through. Yeah. Uh, plus, time's not real. So no. Know. Yeah, who says it's... Yeah, who says it's... Why who it says the year ends in three weeks on that certain time? Not a new year for me. I'm still going with the same year. Fuck everything. I'll start a new year when I want to start yeah. a new year. I'm not going to like... my own cal- calendar. Yeah, yeah. You know... Fuck yeah! Yeah, middle aged mediocre calendar. Just shut this shit down. <laughs> what? Not? It doesn't matter. None of this shit matters. Who says we're doing a podcast right now? I can't. I can't. I mean, not a, like I wouldn't say anybody would really call it like. It's just me and you talking. Yeah. No one's gonna hear this. <laughs> say whatever you want to say. <laughs> Nobody's ever gonna hear this. <laughs> Cancel uh, us, please. Yeah. We need to be famous, man. Did you see? I sound a little drunk. Did you, did you see it? Did you, ah! did you see? No. Did you? No, I didn't. Uh, fucking old Pat McAfee uh, signed on another like three-year deal with FanDuel to be the official sports book, whatever. Yeah. Like $30 million deal. He's given like all of his dudes that do the show with him like, uh-huh. 250000 each. Sweet. Like... That's what I want. Oh, okay. That's what I want for, for like I don't need that much. I saw you like donate a bunch of money for like kids you or something too. Like six million dollars. Good job, Pat. Something. Hire us. Yeah. 
He'll make you feel really smart. Uh-huh. You can make fun. We're from West Virginia. Yeah. You know, played so, for a school down here. Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, that would and be... And I cool. always, I tell you, West Virginia fans were not always fond of old Pat. He'd miss a field goal yeah. or something, but they'd be like, but what about all the punts that he got inside Fuck the 20? Him. Yeah. Didn't win the last he lost. He missed that one kick. It's like, but there's other reasons you lost the game. It's not just that one kick. It's got to be rough being a kicker. Yeah. Just because if you see the kicker out there, like, for chances are it's not a good thing. No. Like, like that, the that, that game with uh, Buffalo and New England with all that wind. Yeah. Like that ball, it would just literally stop and come back. It's crazy. But the Bills were like, we don't know how to what – what are they going to do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they ran it again. We could not have seen that coming. 36 times in a row or something. Yeah. I'm Sandler has a good song about the kicker. Yeah. Lonesome kicker. Yeah. That's probably their anthem. Yeah. They all probably listen so. to it in the back. I would. Yeah. I do. If I was a kicker, I'd just like cry a lot. <laughs> Be like, this is so, so what's different? I mean, pressure on okay. <laughs> Speaking of crying a lot, uh, I wanted to bring up a new story that has been making the old rounds the past couple of days. All right. Uh, so apparently now in Switzerland, I don't know if you ever watched the show Futurama. Nope. But in Futurama, right off the bat, episode one, you learn about suicide booths. Uh-huh. Uh, and now they are a real thing. A suicide booth. A suicide booth. All uh, right. There is a coffin-shaped suicide machine. Now, when you say booth, it sounds like it's just out in the public and anyone can just, like, get it. So that's in how it. it was in Futurama. It was uh-huh. like a telephone booth. Yeah. And you went in and you could pick the different ways you could be you could kill yourself. Uh, this is a, yeah, like, it's more of a machine, suicide machine. It has now been legalized in Switzerland. I thought their second album was a little bit better than their first album. I've never been a big fan of the Suicide Machines. I've never listened to any of them. I just like that. <laughs> I just figured out was the name of a band. Is that really a band? Never, All never, right. Yeah, cool. Suicide Machines is a band. Uh, Shout so, out to them. A coffin-shaped suicide machine that promised its users a relatively painless death. Relatively. That's a strong word. Yeah. Uh, painless death in under a minute has been legalized in Switzerland. They're like, yeah, fuck it, just kill people. The machine, uh, Sarco, S-A-R-C-O, induces hypoxia and hypocapnia, which is the state of inadequate oxygen levels in the tissues, and reduced carbon dioxide levels in the blood leading to the demise of the user. So, again, relatively painless. What does that mean when it comes to your oxygen levels in your tissues depleting and carbon dioxide levels fucking with your blood? Yeah. Uh, according to the independent UK, the machine can be operated from inside by just blinking. Blinking. Um, so in case the person suffers from a locked-in syndrome where an individual is conscious and aware but cannot move due to complete paralysis of the voluntary muscles of the body, except for the... So even if you are completely uh, unable to move, uh-huh. if somebody would put you in this thing... Oh, okay. Then you just need to blink. Yeah. Like if you're paralyzed from the neck down yeah. or something. So I don't know if that's like a setting. What if you don't have eyelids? Or what about them? You bring up a fair point. Yeah. What about people without eyelids, Switzerland? This, these, I'm triggered! These Swiss. Uh, the euthanasia device assists the user to die what relatively... What about the euthanasia? The euthanasia is a device. Um, so this is apparently the latest development of these devices. Uh... About 1,300 people had voluntarily euthanized themselves using such devices 
by companies like Dignitas and Exit in Switzerland last year. So these are already a thing. Damn, 1,300 people just volunteered. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's just a glorified gas chamber. So my thinking is if this takes off or whatever, like this is probably what prison should have. If it's so painless and uh-huh. like seems pretty easy, you don't have to I wouldn't blink. inject a bunch of shit into people. Don't blink. Well, why are you in it if you don't want to die? Yeah. Well, like, prisoners don't want to die. Oh, you mean if you're like a prisoner? Yeah. If it's like an oh, they'll make you wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, we can wait all day there, Stay Randy. Blowing your eye. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my th- like. So yeah, I wonder how. Because it's funny you said like that. It sounds like it's made to the public. Yeah. Because since it's I have a been, booth, since I'm a Futurama fan, that's how I was. Vi- I, was I was picturing this. I was just picturing random booths. Like, what if someone thought it was like a, a one of those camera things? <laughs> Picture saw. Or like, what if like I grabbed you, threw you in one, uh-huh. slammed it shut? You know, he wanted to do it. He, it was him. He, yeah, I'd be dead. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't. You couldn't argue. No. Huh. So wow. the future's coming around. Started out really strong this episode. <laughs> this is what. Uh, this is hey. where we've come in life, like, because there's a whole culture now where people are like are more open about being sad all the time yeah, and joke about killing themselves yeah. because it's the only way we know how to manage our thoughts anymore. But now, like, now, technology's your, catching up with that. Be like, oh, you want to kill yourself? Put your sadness where your mouth is. <laughs> yeah, we'll call you. Like, I can see if you, like, had some incurable disease or, you know, but. Or, I mean, maybe you're just done. Maybe yeah. you're just, you're. You don't get to be done. done that's my a- thing, you know, like, that's, you don't get to be done. Well, why not? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you don't have anybody you got to take care of, and you decide, hey, no, I just don't. It's been good. It's been good. I've but given... then, but then, like, it never gets gooder. That's the thing. <laughs> like, that's why I feel like at age like seventy, I'm done. Yeah. Why? What am I gonna do? What's other? And like, by I'm done, I'm probably gonna like go and just start like the biggest crime streak I can possibly do, <laughs> just because who gives a shit? Like, Rob a bank. Howard, like, if I live to a hundred. Uh-huh. From 70 to 100, how good are those years really Man. going to be? A lot of fucking. Will there be? A lot of fucking. You find some other 70-year-old oh, like, so people? Oh, so you're 70s where you hit your peak. Hell yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I'm close, baby. <laughs> Man, I'm closer to 70 than I am to 20. Wait, no. I'm closer to 60 than I am to 20. Yeah. 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 That's cool. <laughs> so where are these machines at? Can I get like a? Can you just go ahead and email me? Yeah. Is there a home version? What are the coordinates? Uh, I'm blinking. Hey, did blinking. You, did you say hey, blinking? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get into our story for this episode. Uh, and we are kind of going back to revisit the all the way back in the first episode we did. Remember what it was about? Holy shit, the first episode? First episode we ever did. Steve Carino, the ECW. Okay, not uh, once, we started, <laughs> once we got rid of the wrestling. Was it, it was like in Germany, right? It was in Germany. Is it the one with like the men up on the beach? No. No, this was the one. Goat Goose. Dude, I remember what last week was about. So this is the Hinterkai Fact Murders. I remember that name. Yeah, so. There was a Goat Ghost? There was a Goat Ghost. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> That sounds intense. So yeah, we started the the show uh, non wrestling shit uh, with the story of the Hinterkaifeck murders. These were some murders that took place in Germany, nineteen twenty two. 
there was a whole family. There were six victims, and they were all um, brutally murdered, uh, struck dead with like a uh, uh, like an axe handle. Basically, okay, it's coming back to me. And then the killer. It seemed by the evidence left behind that the killer actually kind of hung around the house yeah. for a little while. You know, maybe made himself some food, just chilled. Chilled with the dead bodies. So I mentioned in that episode that this story was very similar to something that happened a few years before that, the Velisca axe murders. Okay. So today we are going to go ahead and cover the Velisca axe murders. We've never covered that before? We have not covered it. Because I don't remember it. So, like I said, the Velisca axe murders, uh, they took place 10 years before the Henrik Heifek murders. Okay. Murders. They took place in 1912. Uh, in the town of Villisca, Iowa. In America! The, in the United States. All right, USA. Uh, so bet- sometime between the evening of June 9th, 1912, and the early morning of June 10th, 1912, uh, the, F- the Moore family were chilling in their house. Uh, the Moore family consisted of Josiah, age 43, Sarah, age 39, and their four children, Herman, uh, Herman? They gave their middle names to so Herman Montgomery. Okay. Mary Catherine, Arthur Boyd, and Paul Vernon. So this was the Three very family. good boys and the sweet little angel. And old Mary Catherine Moore here, she had invited Ina May, 8 years old, and Lena Gertrude Stillinger, 12 years old, to spend the night. So there were six people. All right. So we'll go back to that. Or no, well, eight. eight people. Yeah. Yeah, so eight people. Three boys, three girls, and the parents. Yeah. So, uh, let me see here. Um, the door, this is 1912. It's a small little town, Midwest. Uh, they're not locking the door. The door's unlocked. They, the door locks haven't even been invented yeah, yet. Yeah, I mean, no one's using these things. No. Uh, so the... Reconstruction of the crime scene by the coroner next day. They say that the uh, the visitor able is just able to kind of slip inside the door, close it behind him. Um, he took an oil lamp from the dresser, removed uh, the chimney, which I don't know what chimney setup this is if you can move it, but moved some stuff around. Ended up lighting his lamp up with just enough light that he could kind of like see what he was doing without uh-huh. being drawn too much attention. Yeah. Not being super bright. Carrying the axe, the stranger would have walked up past one of the rooms where two girls, ages 12 and 9, were sleeping, and instead slipped up the narrow wooden stairs that led to the other two bedrooms. Uh, he went into the one with Joe and Sarah, the parents. Uh-huh. He brought the uh, flat end of the blade down on the back of Joe Moore's head. Oh! Crushing his skull and most likely killing Joe immediately. With one swipe. That guy doesn't know what how axes work. Yeah, like, I don't know why you would. <laughs> and how. That's impressive. You could crush somebody's skull with, like. Yeah. Um, then, well, they didn't make skulls. Skulls were made pretty weak back then. That's right. They, yeah. didn't really, they hadn't cracked the formula yet. They didn't have that uh, corn syrup. Mm. You mm. know, fructose corn syrup. It's fructose, not fructose. <laughs> well, excuse me, Dr. Cash. <laughs> but you make a very interesting point. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think there's maybe some science there. Yeah. Uh, so after he killed old Joe with one whack, he did the same thing to Sarah. One, one blow to the head, uh, probably did her in. So then he leaves them there. Uh, he goes next door to where the kids are, the four kids. 
and he kills each and every single one of them. Uh, ah, the three boys and the girl? Yeah. That's weird. The other two girls, why weren't all three girls like in the same room together if they were having a sleepover? Well, so the two girls are downstairs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure Beguess. why they all didn't. Even I guess uh, that's a little fishy right off the bat. I guess Mary Catherine, whatever, is like she's like. Well, I mean, I got my own bed. I'm yeah. using it. You two, <laughs> good luck. Um. So the killer then goes downstairs and kills the other two girls. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So no, they're dead too. Damn. Uh, the coroner then speculates that next it seems like the stranger with the axe would have went back upstairs and went from person to person. Smashing their heads in, like even already, more already dead. Yeah, just making them more dead, deader. Yeah. Okay. They think Joe alone was probably hit about thirty times. Gee, that's yeah. some rage right there. All of the members of the family, their faces were unrecognizable. Uh, yeah, this guy. So maybe it was faked, and they went on the run. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Very elaborate. It is <laughs> very elaborate. They had to like. What was this Josiah into? Maybe get to that. All right. Uh, so then, once everybody has got their faces nice and crushed in, <laughs> nice. <laughs> he takes. You make it sound so sweet. He's like, all right. Well, now that you're nice and crushed in, I'm gonna move on to another one. He goes to each person and covers them with a blanket. Just make sure he covers yeah. them up. Tucks them in. Um, then he just goes and kind of walks around the house, and every single mirror. Or any kind of glass, anything that would have a reflection in it, he covers with, like, a cloth. Yeah. Of sort. So he doesn't want any, doesn't want anything looking back at him, doesn't want to see himself. Doesn't want to see any, any reflection. Any of the bodies or anything. You know, something. Uh, I'm starting to think this guy may be a little unstable. He possibly could be. I'd say that's a good, that's a good uh, speculation. <laughs> So at some point, he seemed to pull out a two-pound slab of uncooked bacon, uh, wrapped it up in a towel, and then just sort of threw it on the floor of the downstairs bedroom, um, which I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, my th- first thought was, like, to cover up, like, he something to do with the smell, like if the bacon would rot, but I was like, that's going to take days. These bodies are, yeah. you know, everything's going to be on the same timeline here. So I don't know why he would just grab... Wild animals, maybe, to draw them? I don't know. Maybe. Um, Then he seemed that it seems that he most likely stayed inside the house like the rest of the night. Just hung out the rest of the night. Um, Used the bacon as a pillow. Maybe. Said he filled a bowl up with some water, uh, some some soap. Looks like he probably washed his hands in it. Um, Sometime before 5 a.m., he abandoned the lamp at the top of the stairs and left as silently as he came in. Uh, when the, when anybody came over there, the doors were now locked, so he locked them as he left. That's nice uh, of him. Which now makes me wonder how they know that the doors were unlocked. Yeah. That he got in. So, uh, I don't think they had very good Pretty quick to volunteer that information. <laughs> you're just very, uh, you're not trusting anybody. No. No. <laughs> not even the I know what they're up to <laughs> in 1912. Nice try. So, the Moore family and the two girls were not discovered until several hours later uh, when a neighbor was worried about the absence of any signs of life coming from their house. Usually, they were all up and moving around sure. and whatever. Uh, so, they telephoned, which is 1912. In my head, telephones weren't around then. No, I don't think so. apparently so. Uh, they telephoned Joe's brother, a dude named Ross. <laughs> 
and ask him Dude. to check it out. Ross goes over, uh, opens the front door, barely comes, barely even like walks into the house until he just comes rushing out again and starts calling the Felisca Marshal Hank Horton. Hank Horton this is the marshal here in town. Uh, so then, chain of events go on where they're gathering evidence. Um, Horton brings along doctors J. Clark Cooper and Edgar Hoff and Wesley Ewing, the minister of the Morris Presbyterian Congregation. Check their pulse. They're followed by the county coroner uh, and a third doctor. When a shaken Dr. Williams emerged... I think it's good to get as many people into the crime scene as yeah, possible. Yeah. I think you should bring like nine doctors. Yeah. So, one for each person. <laughs> They're missing their head. Do they have a pulse? <laughs> we can't deduce anything yet. <laughs> Uh, so Dr. Williams emerges and he cautions everyone in the crowd, do not go in there. You're going to regret it to the last day of your life. So it's kind of picture of saying like Ace Ventura. Do not go in there. Woo. He's taking sunglasses off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I hurt myself doing that. <laughs> you got a bunch of people, uh, gathering outside the house, uh, about as many as a hundred people start coming in and out of the house. Dang. They want to see what's going on. Um, you know, leaving fingerprints everywhere, of course. One person even removed fragments of Joe's skull. <laughs> I got I to gotta take something from this. Yeah. What if I, yeah, something to remind myself of this day. And they're just like, I can't wait till eBay becomes a thing. He just needed a little head. Mm. Oh! Uh, so, That's all the time we got, everybody. So the murders... Uh, the, you know, the whole thing's clumsy about, like, the whole investigation is clumsy, oh, yeah. of course, like all of them, we find. I mean, let 90 people into a crime scene, but not 100. But not 100. Yeah. Uh, so there's really just no, uh, there's no clues as to who could have done this. They have bloodhounds come in. Uh, they can't pick up on anything. Uh, maybe that's what the bacon was for. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he just slathered himself in bacon yep. or something. I don't know. Um so, yeah, the most obvious suspect was a man named Frank Jones. He was a tough local businessman and state senator who was also a prominent member of Velisca's Methodist Church. Edgar Epperly, the leading authority on the murders, reports that the town quickly split amongst uh, religious lines. The Methodists insisted on Jones' innocence, and the Moors' Presbyterian congregation convinced of his guilt. So he was never formally charged with any involvement in the murders, but he did become a subject of a grand jury investigation, and prolonged campaign to prove his guilt, which destroyed his political career. Many townspeople were certain he used his considerable influence to have the case against him quashed. Uh, but they really don't have a two. Their only real reasons for thinking it's Jones is he basically hated Joe Moore. Yeah. Um, the Joe had worked for Jones for seven years, and Joe became the star salesman of Joe uh, Jones's farmhouse equipment business. But Moore had left the business in 1907 because um, his boss wanted him to work six days a week. It's like five years ago then, earlier. This is 1912, right? Yes, yeah, so in 1907, yeah. so five years later, yeah. Uh, but he set himself up as a head-to-head -head rival, and he took the very valuable John Deere account with him. I've heard of them. So there's a reason why Jones was pretty pissed off. Yeah. Um, but five years. He got stuck with Komatsu. <laughs> Uh, or whatever it's called. Vascana! <laughs> Worse, he was also believed to have slept with Jones's daughter-in-law. Oh. A local beauty whose numerous affairs were well-known in town, thanks to her astonishing indiscreet habit of 
arranging trysts over the telephone when a, in a time when all calls in Valeska had to be placed through an operator. Yeah. Tom, I'm going to fuck him. <laughs> yeah. She, um, uh, Joel, are you still there? Yeah. Joel, um, <laughs> she said, she said, uh, she's going to fuck you. All right. Um, any return messages, sir? Uh, my house or hers? <laughs> hey, Melissa. He Joel uh, wants to know. <laughs> no, no, you're not talking to Joe. You're talking to Joel. <laughs> you wanted to talk to Joe. Oh, hey, Joel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Melissa. Um, she said that she has to leave town for a few days. Oh. So you know, she said, "Ta-ta for now." What uh, about my boner? TTFN. <laughs> Uh, Are you busy right now, miss? Oh, no. <laughs> Disconnected. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> um, they didn't have tunnels in 1912. They did, yeah, they had phones, but no uh, tunnels. Tunnels were, tunnels were yeah. invented yet. Uh, so by 1912, uh, Jones and Moore had grown so cold against each other that they began to cross the street to avoid each other. Uh, they just hated each other. I mean, I'll do that for people I know. I'll do it for people I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. If I saw you, I'd be like, oh, let me cross no, the well, street. Yeah. <laughs> Hand to the face, It's not, it's not Thursday yet. Uh, very few people in Villisca believe that a man of Jones's age and eminence, I don't know what eminence would have to do with this, uh, he was 57. Uh, they don't think so. This is 1912, though. So at 57, you're basically like 80. 80 <laughs> they don't think he would have the power to swing the axe himself. Like, 57-year-olds now. I mean, basically, you just have to get the axe up, and, like, gravity takes care of the rest. I, <laughs> I don't know if it takes care of it to the effect of crushing a skull. That's why it takes 30 wax. That's true. Uh, but they do think he was certainly capable of possibly hiring someone to do the dirty sure. work. Sure. You would think, though, so he hates Joe. Yeah, why well, kill six kids? Just kill Joe. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing where you're like, kill the whole goddamn yeah. family. <laughs> I got to send a message. To you know? the, you're sending a message to the guy you're killing? Yes. yes. He has to know. He'll get it. He'll, He'll get, get it. it. Uh, so, yeah, they. Uh, that's what James Wilkerson, that was the theory he had about that, he, that uh, Jones had hired a killer by the name of William Mansfield to murder the man who had humiliated him. Uh, Wilkerson, who made enough of a nuisance of himself to derail Jones's attempts to secure re-election to the state Senate, and who eventually succeeded in having a grand jury convened to consider the evidence he'd already gathered, was able to show that William Mansfield had the right sort of background for the job. In 1914, he was the chief suspect in the axe murders of his wife, her parents, and his own child in Illinois. Oh, okay. So the guy does have a history of yeah, axe use. Yeah. All he had to do was axe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately for Wilkerson, Mansfield turned out to have a cast iron alibi for the Villisca killings. Payroll records showed that he had been working several hundred miles away in Illinois. You can fake that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can. Well, especially 1912. Illinois in 1912? I don't think so. I don't even know if Illinois is a thing. Yeah. Is that real? I don't think so. I've never been there. I have been there. <laughs> but uh, Way to call yourself out no immediately. Problem. That's what I do. Um. So, but most most locals still went ahead and um, bought this theory that Jones had paid this guy oh, yeah. to do it. Which again, nineteen twelve. Yeah, There's you not a bunch else going on. So that, I mean, this is this would be big news this today. Is big news, yeah. yeah. Um, for others though, there was a far stronger and far stranger candidate for the Axeman. His name was Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly. 
That's a lot. It's too many names. Yep. Too many. Uh, and he was an English immigrant, a preacher, and a known sexual deviant Ooh. with well-recorded mental problems. Uh, he'd been in the town on the night of the murders and freely admitted that he had left on a train around the same time as the bodies were discovered. There were things about Kelly that made him seem an implausible suspect, however. Uh, not the least that he stood only five foot two and weighed 119 pounds. Well, motherfuckers are sleeping. It don't matter, yeah. you know. Uh, but in other ways, he was left-handed, and the coroner had determined from the examination of blood splatters that the killer would have probably been a left-hander. Uh, he was obsessed with sex and had been caught peering into windows in Villisca two days before the murders. In 1914, living in South Dakota, he would advertise for a girl st stenographer to do confidential work. And that ad, placed in the Omaha World Herald, would also specify that the successful candidate must be willing to pose as a model. So, you know, we got a... So, a stenographer, so he wants someone to, like, write down like his... Yeah, yeah, but also be hot. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, you know, model forms. Yeah. So, a young woman named Jessamine Hodge, Hodgkin, Hodgson, Hodgson, I don't know, Hogson is what I'm going to call her. Okay. Uh, she received a return letter described by a judge as so obscene, lewd, and filthy as to be offensive to the honorable court and improper to spread upon the record. Wow. This thing was so bad, he's like, like it was the original. It was the original penthouse letter. Yes. Uh, yes. Among, yes, sir. <laughs> you are correct. Amongst his milder instructions, penthouse. Kelly had told Jessamine that she would be required to type in the nude. Well, yeah. So, you know, hey, Jessamine, I have you here for this yeah. job interview. <laughs> Your resume was great. Your resume was just wonderful, terrific. I am going to have you typing for me. Uh, you'll be typing around five thousand words a day. Yes, typing it. Uh, you know, the better, the quicker you are, the better. Also, mm -hmm. uh, do need to see your tits at all times. <laughs> so get those out. Go ahead, Jessamine. Go ahead, get those out. I'm waiting. Pop them out. Oh, he'd get canceled so quick. <laughs> yes. He should be. I mean, that's pretty gross. Yeah. They'd be like, I'm hiring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you know, it's very smooth that he puts this article or he puts the ad out there. Like, me basically, you know, let you know I'm a scumbag. Yeah. Like, you're going to need a model for me. But then, as soon as you apply, he later he's went got on that letter ready to go. He went on to be a producer in Hollywood. <laughs> yes, most likely. <laughs> uh, so, investigation soon made plain that there were links between Lynn Kelly and the Moore family. Uh, most sinister for those who believed in the preacher's guilt was the fact that Kelly had attended the children's day service held at Velisca's Presbyterian Church on the evening of the murders. Um, the service had been organized by Sarah Moore and her children, together with Lena and Ina Stillinger. So they were all there, and this guy, this little pervert, was hanging around them, too. Uh -huh. Maybe you heard about all six of the kids going to mm -hmm. be the same place. Um, so I wonder if they even knew to, like, check for something like that back then, like if any of the bodies were, you know, like, messed with, molested, right. anything like that. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure when, because, I mean, it'd have to be probably pretty obvious, Yeah, I would say. Um the idea, uh, oh, so they think that he most likely had, like, saw them at the church, became a little obsessed with them, followed them home, broke in later that night, did what he did. Um, he, as evidence revealed, a, uh, like, somebody had been kneeling down in some bales of hay uh -huh. that were on the family's 
like in the family's barn. So maybe like they're watching, waiting. Yeah, and that there was like a knot hole that had been cut out from where they were that he could look. I did not see that coming. So he could see what was going on. He could sit there in the hay and watch. Yeah. Um, Lena Stillinger had been found wearing no underwear with her nightdress drawn up past her waist. Oh, so, but yeah. doctors found no evidence of that, of any kind of assault, which maybe means he couldn't do what he wanted to do. Got yeah. mad, killed everybody. Yeah. Or um, maybe that's all, that's all it took for him. Yeah. Or maybe that's why he decided to go back up and bash <clears throat> everyone's in because he yeah. was pissed. Uh, and I mean, Maybe that's why he covered the mirrors, because he couldn't even want to look at himself, because right. he didn't shame. want to look at them, because what well, he did, and then obviously didn't want to look at himself, because he knew he was a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, so it took some time for the case against Kelly to get anywhere, but in 1917, another grand jury finally assembled to hear the evidence linking him with Lena's murder. Uh, first glance, the case against Kelly seemed compelling. He had sent bloody clothing to the laundry in nearby Macedonia. And an elderly couple recalled meeting the preacher when he alighted from the from a 5:19 a.m. train from Villisca. Um, that happened was when the bodies were being discovered about that time. Uh-huh. Um, it also emerged that Kelly had returned to Villisca a week later and shown great interest in the murders, even posing as a Scotland Yard detective to obtain a tour of the Moore House. Mm-hmm. What's all this then? So he went back, tried to be part of the investigation. That's pretty, uh... Yeah. They, they say a lot of serial killers do that. He's like, hello, I'm here from yeah. Scotland. Yes. I heard there was a murder. <laughs> tell me about the victims. Don't don't look at me rubbing my nipples if you tell me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, that's just the thing I do. That's the way I solve crimes. Um, I pinch them. That's... So, where am I? Arrested in 1917, uh, he repeatedly he was repeatedly interrogated and eventually signed a confession to the murder in which he stated, I killed the children upstairs first and the children downstairs last. I knew God wanted me to do it this way. Um, I picked up the axe, went into the house, and killed them. Then he later recanted that story. Uh, and, the cl- and the couple who claimed to have spoken to him on the morning after the murders changed their story as well. Um... So they've had very little to tie him to anything. And the first grand jury to hear his case was 11 to 1 in favor of refusing to indict him. Mm. And then a second panel freed him. So they didn't have anything to really hold him there. So he's off the I mean, what evidence could... Yeah, like we talked about this before. Like 1912, unless someone like saw him bashing them in the face... Was and an like axe, or, it was yeah, or like saw him running from the house with the axe covered in blood. And even then, he could be like, "Oh, well, I just found the axe." Yeah, and I just feel like there's no, <laughs> there's no evidence. Or if like you know, me and you are in 1912, and you go to the cops and say you saw me run out of the house with an axe. Yeah, and then they bring me in, and I go, "No, no, I saw him. <laughs> he was him." And the cops <laughs> like, "Well, fuck, we're at square one. <laughs> yeah, both arrested." Um. So perhaps the strongest evidence that both So what you're saying is if you're going to get killed, don't get killed in like the early 1900s. Yeah, try to avoid that. Yeah. And try like not to live like on a farmhouse uh-huh. back in the ni- early 1900s. Oh, don't have more... I'm writing this down. I'm going to remember it. Don't have more than three people in your home. <laughs> Seems like once you start getting higher up numbers, shit gets, starts to get a little risky. Get two bathrooms. Don't have barns. No barns. Uh, lock your doors. Actually, just you know what? Just go and kill yourself. Just <laughs> the suicide machine. Blink twice. 
uh, perhaps the strongest evidence that both Jones and Kelly were most likely innocent uh, came not from Velisca itself, but from other communities in the Midwest, where in 1911 and 1912, a bizarre chain of axe murders oh, shit. seemed to suggest that there was a killer at work. Uh, serial killer. Yeah. Serial a killer. Tran- a transient serial killer. Huh. Was moving from town to town. Yeah. Uh, the researcher Beth Klingen- Klingensmith has suggested that as many as 10 incidents that occurred close to railway tracks... Uh, but in locations far as far as part as Rainier, Washington, and Monmouth, Illinois, which I mean, if you're familiar with Illinois, you know yeah. what kind of distance that is. Man, Joel knows. Oh yeah, I can see right now. He's it's like a thousand hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just At try least. to imagine a thousand hot dogs. Try. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good, good luck with luck. that. <laughs> um, so the pattern. First pointed out in 1913 by uh, some agent, uh, began with the murder of a family of six in Colorado Springs in September of 1911. Continued with two further incidents in Monmouth. Uh, were the Monmouth. mirrors covered up? Were the bodies covered up? You say were the wieners covered the up? The mirrors. Oh, you said were the wieners covered <laughs> The up. thousand hot dogs in between. <laughs> yeah. Did they cover them up? Uh so then uh, in Ellsworth, Kansas, three and five people died in those attacks. Two more in Palo, Kansas, where someone murdered Roland Hudson and his unfaithful wife. <laughs> they added unfaithful. Yeah. Just four days before the killings in Villisca. That unfaithful bitch. <laughs> uh, as far as McClary was concerned, the slaughter culminated in December 1912 with the brutal murders of Mary Wilson and her daughter Georgia Moore in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, this guy's theory was that Henry Lee Moore... George's son and a convict with a history of violence was responsible for all of this. Uh, it's not necessary to believe that Henry Lee Moore was a serial killer to, dis- to consider that the string of crimes in the Midwest using axes have intriguing similarities that may tie the Velisca massacre to other crimes. Uh, Henry Lee Moore is now rarely considered a good suspect. Um, even though he was certainly an unsavory human, he... Uh, was released from a reformatory in Kansas shortly before the axe murders began, arrested in Jefferson City, Missouri, shortly after they ended, and eventually convicted of the Columbia murders. But his motive in that case was greed. Uh, that's what he killed his uh, family, his mom. Um, he was killing her just to get the money mm. and the home. So it That's a bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good boy. Um some people think that the guy, the, the, whoever committed this murder, uh, would jump on the train and end up somehow in Germany. Yeah, uh, and do would do the same thing ten years later. I don't think you can take a train to Germany. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, unless it's a water train. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boat trains. He might have got on a boat. Yeah. So the use of an axe in almost every case was perhaps not so remarkable in itself. While there certainly was an unusual concentration of axe killings in the Midwest at this time. Almost every family in these areas owned an axe yeah. and would often leave it laying in their yard. So, uh, as such, it might be considered a weapon of convenience more so than anything else. Similarly, the fact that the victims died in their sleep uh, was likely a consequence of the choice of weapon. You're going to need to get close to them to use it. Yeah, so, you... best time to do that is when they're asleep. Um, I'm learning lots. Are you tired? I'm pretty sleepy. All right. A little bit. Uh, 
Other similarities among the crimes... I'll actually again in a few minutes. ...are much harder to explain away. In eight of the ten cases, the murder weapon was found abandoned at the scene of the crime. In as many as seven, there was a railway line nearby. In three, including Velisca, the murders took place on a Sunday night. Uh, just as significant, perhaps, four of the cases uh, featured killers who covered their victims' faces. Three murders had washed at the, hand, had washed at the scene. And at least five had lingered in the murder house. So maybe not all of these were done by the same person, but yeah. it is sounding like... A high percentage. Probably one person did at least four. Yeah. Like, you know, three or four of them. Um, so whether or not all of them are really connected remains a considerable puzzle. Some pieces of the evidence fits patterns, some don't. Uh, the most recent um, theory is that a man named Paul Mueller... Mueller. 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 Paul Mueller. In the 2017 book, The Man from the Train, uh, Bill James and his daughter, Rachel McCarthy James, discuss the Velisca murders as part of a much larger series of murder, which they believe were all committed by one single serial killer. Uh, They conclude that this murderer was Paul Miller, or Mueller. They don't know which way it was, actually. He was from Germany. Uh, subject of an unsuccessful year-long manhunt as the sole suspect in the 1897 murder of a family in Massachusetts where he had been working as a farmhand. James started his research in an attempt to solve the Velisca murders and with his daughter found, found newspaper stories detailing dozens of families murdered under similar circumstances across Damn. the United States. Uh, the Jameses believe that Mueller was guilty of the Velisca murders as part of a killing spree that lasted over a decade. Uh, killing at least 59 people in 14 separate incidents. The Jameses uh, identify common features of these crimes. Uh, The killer selected families who live near railroad tracks, seemingly struck struck in ambush at about midnight while the victims were asleep, used the blunt side of the axe rather than the blade, uh, used an axe... I wonder if that was... This is kind of sick and disgusted. I would even think of this. Like, the axe, if you use the blade, it might get stuck. Stuck, and then the person next to him so will be able to. So, you're also sick and disgusting, and your brain oh, is yeah. there, too. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, if, I, yeah if you axe blade to the head, goes in. You got to fight it back you're out. Gonna you're going to wake up the wake, person. Yeah, you don't. And you just want to kill and get, you know. You're just. You're get just, to chilling. You're just here to kill. Kill and chill. Just kill and chill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh,. Uh, the axe was usually found from there was the victims. It was the victims. Axe. Yeah, and if he's uh, riding the train, then that makes sense too, because you know, you, yeah, you know, come pretty, on and ride the train. Yeah, like pretty, when people see someone riding the train with an axe, they might you know start to question oh, that. Oh, even in 1912, people might have been like, "What's that guy doing?" <laughs> uh, but the axe was also typically left in plain sight after the murders. Uh, the victims had all been mostly covered with blankets to prevent blood splatter. The windows have been covered from inside the house, uh, and doors have been locked when the killer left. So in Mueller's suspected crimes... There was was there any other bacon in any other they incidents? They don't talk about bacon. Oh, man. Uh, they don't focus in on the bacon quite like we did. <laughs> in Mueller's suspected crimes, there was, also, there was often but not always a sexual motive directed towards a young girl... Um, and like in this case, uh, the one girl's yeah, dress with pains down, dress up. So right now, um, that is the leading 
candidate. As It'll never be solved. No. How are you going to solve something that's 109 years old? I mean, you're probably not. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate to be a downer, but like. But, you know, you think, so this guy is from Germany. He's a German immigrant. He comes over here. He goes on his little murder spree mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, that happens for, they say, about 10 years. They say there's yeah. like a 10-year period, right? And then 10 years later at the... Germany. Hinterkaifeck Hinterkaifeck and the GOAT. So he's back in Germany, still doing his shit. So, and he may have died shortly after. Still axing fools. Still axing. He might still be out there. Oh, yeah. my God. He's right behind me. Ah! Uh, Blink. So, yeah, that is the story of the Velisca axe murders. Um bringing it full circle there from where we began. I like Velisca. Their high school is probably like the Velisca Vikings. Probably. Or the Velisca Axe Murderers. Yes, that's probably what it is. <laughs> like, should we really name our school that? Or the mascot? Uh, yeah, so really creepy, though, to like, just again, like the Henrik Hifek thing's creepy because, you know, you get somebody that comes into a house, you're murdered in your sleep, yeah. which is just, then you just hang out. fucking awful. And then, yeah, they just hang out. I don't know. If I'm going to get murdered, I mean, do it in my sleep, you know? Uh, no pain. Or I hope no pain. You hope. Yeah. I mean, don't, like, chase me and make me run. Well, see, I think the worst <laughs> thing would be, like, you get one, you know, like they say the guy walks in with an axe, you yeah. the flat end of the axe, knocks you in the old noggin, and you're, it fucks you up to the point where, like, you can't move and you can't fight, but you're still conscious. Yeah. That's probably hurting quite a bit. And now sure. you're also shitting yourself because mm. there's a, so. I just, I'm just going to try to not get murdered. I would much rather have somebody, like, knock and I open and there's a guy with an axe. And he's like, I'm going to murder you now. Yeah. And I could go, okay, let's. And, like, stretch your neck. See your what happens up. Yeah. Here. Like, give him a nice good target, you know, like, stretch your chin all up. Smack your neck a couple times, get your vein all up and puffy, you know, and back there. So interesting, interesting thing has happened. <laughs> you immediately went to give yourself up. I oh have yeah, any chance. Uh-huh. Tell me now, my whole thing was it would have it would give me a fighting chance. Oh, I don't want to you make coward. It, I don't want to make it easier for the killer. I'm, I'm like, can I make you a drink first? Uh, Maybe a sandwich to build up your strength and stamina? Just like tugged off? <laughs> oh, no. That'll be gross. <laughs> he would have to tug me off. Oh, uh, well, I mean, he might after you're done. He'll probably wait to kill you first. So yeah. You don't even get to enjoy the... Shove hot dogs up my ass. Yeah, by the way, if you guys want to hear a fun thing about shoving hot dogs up your ass, hang out after this episode. <laughs> oh, no. Be a little bonus content for you. <laughs> People are fast forward to do it right now. I gotta get to this hot dog. Don't fast forward yet because Joel's gotta feel good. Yeah, dude. Should we take an ad break? You wanna take an ad break? Yeah. All right. Speaking of ad breaks, guys. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If anybody out there is looking to advertise on the Middle Aged Mediocre Podcast, please hit us up midagedmediocre at gmail dot com. Uh, you know, serious inquiries only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we're serious show. And we want to do some serious advertising. Yeah. We need to make some money. Yep. So, you know, your boys got... You got fat ass and you want people to know about it? We'll advertise we'll it. Tell, we'll tell everyone. Yeah. yeah. Pay us a little bit of money. Yeah. John's got a fat ass. Yeah. Be like, Becky's got a fat ass. I don't know who Becky is. I hope there's not Becky listening. If you want to have a fat ass, have a fat ass. But I'm you. not judging your ass. Your ass is up to you. Yeah. But John uh, definitely has a big old fat ass. Big old. Big old butt. <laughs> You can go to johnsbigoldbutt.com. That's a free one. Oh, right there. All right. No more free ones. We'll be right back. 
And we are back after the ad. Uh, still just us. Still just advertising yep. us. Well, we're advertising Spotify. Uh-huh. Or no. Anchor. Anchor. Where the hell are we? Anchor. <laughs> Which is owned by Spotify now. Is so, it? Yeah, Spotify all, owns a lot. Spotify is running Anchor now. So Cool. So, hey, Spotify. Hook us up some ads. Yeah. Give holla, us those Joe Rogan ads. Holla at your boys. We make, we have at least one one millionth of the listeners. <laughs> and we've talked about numbers, all right? They're, they're infinite. We know numbers. Yep, we do. We know a few of them. A lot. Quite a few. <laughs> not not as many as all people. Yeah. But a lot. Enough. <laughs> we know enough. We know enough till time. Yeah. That's not real. <laughs> all right, so you got to feel good? I do. What's the feel we good? We haven't had one for a while. Fuck yeah, I want to hit the music. Let's hit the feel-good music. Feels good. Feels good. All right. All right, did you know what Wednesday, December 8th was? This would have been yesterday, then. This would have been (laughs) yesterday, even. (laughs) Today was yesterday. Tomorrow! Wednesday, December 8th. Yes. Was yeah, I said I said yeah for some reason. Your birthday, happy birthday! Happy birthday! No, it's National oh. Brownie Day. Oh, and they made a giant pot brownie. Did you see that? I did. You just fucking stepped all over I'm my so god. So sorry. <laughs> you couldn't have fucking act like you didn't know. I'm like Brownie Day, Joel. Let's tell me it. more. Let's try it again. All right, let's try it again. All right, yesterday was National Brownie Day. National <laughs> Brownie Day. Yeah, so you know what one company did. Hey, please tell me more about this <laughs> National Brownie Day. No, you ruined it for me. I'm not telling you now. They, they, they one company unveiled an 850-pound pop brownie as the world's largest. I want to know what the before what the record was. Like half a pound. pounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, so yeah. I thought that's gotta make you feel good eating a 850-pound brownie. And it, it was. Uh, 20,000 milligrams of THC, three feet wide, three feet, there's three feet wide and three feet, 15 inches tall. Wait, there's 12 inches in a foot, right? Yeah. <laughs> How is it three feet, 15 inches? It's four well, foot four tall. Foot yeah. I, it was it's like, three. I think it's because they're over, it's a Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, it's, it weighed 300, oh, the... The previous record was 343. So they crushed it. And how much was this one? 800. Good Lord. Who says stoners don't have drive and, like, you know, well, other I saw, stuff? I saw the picture of it, and not many of those people look like stoners. You got to be a stoner to make a you fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah, my, I, like, at first I thought, like, I don't know. This picture here, they all look pretty fucking high. They're all smiling really big, like, ha <laughs> they got that pop brownie. This is in USA Today. Um, let's see. Typical ingredients. It, I think it says on here exactly how. 1,344 eggs, 250 pounds of sugar, 220, 212 pounds of butter. What you going to do with all that butter? Make a big, big <laughs> ass pot brownie. 5.3 pounds of vanilla extract. How do you extract vanilla? 81 pounds of vanilla. Two pounds of baking powder. We're, we need to make this. Three pounds of salt and 122 pounds of cocoa powder. But really, we need that 200,000 milligrams yeah, of like THC. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's going to be the pricey part. It's like I, edibles. I don't get it because I can't eat till after I smoke. 
Yeah. You know, so I can't eat that much of a brownie. I get high first, and then, like, am I feeling the high from smoking, or am I feeling the high from eating 850? I've eaten 850-pound brownies. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> feels like feels like it. Now, I'm not a big brownie person, but I would probably... I would be like, honey, I shrunk the kids where they found like the big giant, uh, uh, yeah. uh, they, they found like the oatmeal cookie. Yeah. That would be me up to this thing. I would just, I, I, oh man. I mean, how much of you think you could eat? I mean, a couple pounds, but. So a couple, how much? In it? It's 850 pounds. So I need to find a good 425 people to help me eat this thing. So Two pounds each. How much, uh, how much THC was in that? That kind of looks like me. Um, two hundred thousand. It was either two hundred twenty. Let me get the right number. Twenty thousand milligrams 20, of THC, 000. which and is still a lot. You said it's how many pounds? Eight hundred fifty. Are you gonna see how many milligrams per pound? So I think it's twenty three and a half milligrams per pound. How much of those gummies so that you were telling me that you saw that you'd never eat? Two hundred fifty milligrams each. Each. Okay, so it's not really the brown. I, See, I couldn't eat that much brownie. Yeah, you'd have to eat so much brownie. Gummy. Just give me one of those gummies that you heard about. Yeah. But yeah. never have. But I you would never, ever. I would never have right next to like, me. Yeah, you're like, I can't believe that. From what I hear. <laughs> yeah, from what, from what hear. I hear, uh, you're pretty much high for two days. So that's a waste of 20,000 milligrams of THC. It sounds kind of like it. Like, who's going to eat that brownie? Yeah. Just, I'm not feeling so good about it anymore. Plus... Like I saw this tweeted earlier. This is and this is how I know about it. Okay. Like somebody tweeted it, like the story, and uh-huh. then added like the caption of "Okay, now let everybody that's in jail for marijuana related crimes yeah. out of jail." Like, yeah. It is a very giant fucking fuck you to them. <laughs> I had one milligram of THC when I was arrested. These motherfuckers, Massachusetts, making eight hundred fifty pound yeah. fucking brownies. So you know, kind of. You know, I was feeling pretty good, but I'm glad we squashed that. Yeah. I mean, it is. Like, at, at first sight, you see 850 pounds. Uh-huh. Pop brownie. You're like, that's pretty fucking cool. Feel good story. Feel yeah. good story. But then once you actually think about yeah, it. Yeah, and all the people in jail. Awful it is. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And some people getting arrested just for having a little bit of weed. Yeah. But these scientists are getting paid. They're they probably got paid to make that. Probably, and then they got to eat it. <laughs> yeah. So they're like just bringing brownie home every night after work. Their significant others are tired of it. <laughs> very, very. Tired. Oh, did you get milk? Still, you didn't fucking bring milk. Almond milk, you fucking hippie. Yeah. How do you milk an almond? Well, <laughs> very, very gently. By the tit, baby. By the almond tit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know. You I, know. Now, now, I'm not saying I'm going to turn down an 850-pound pop around yeah. anybody would offer. Like, I'll take a few bites. You know, I'll see how many bites I'll take. <laughs> to get to the center. You would just get sick first, though. I think so. I can't eat a lot of brownie. Yeah. If it's like a corner piece with, like, that little bit of burn on it, I could eat some of that. You know what? I hate that. I hate the corner piece. With really? Burn on it. All right, yeah. I'll take the corner piece for you, buddy. That's, that's why we work out so well. And you know what I like more than a brownie? But it's basically the exact same thing. What? It's a Texas sheet cake. What's the difference between like a regular cake and a Texas sheet cake? So like with the Texas sheet cake, <laughs> it's kind of like a brownie uh-huh. but it's cake consistency instead of that brownie consistency. Okay. And I prefer that. All right. So that's just a little bit about me. Good, good. So, I prefer a hot dog up my ass. Right. <laughs> Again, stick around until after the episode for the bonus content. Uh, we make a wild discovery. 
about Joel. Uh, and, These are jokes. And just thoughts towards how easily it is for one to. I just imagine it would have to. I mean, they're slimy. So stick around for after the episode. You'll hear all about. Is there more in the episode? Is this not? Are we getting to the? Keep dragging it out. All right, man. Cool. So what's going? Like, do you have a comedy show or anything? Nah. Uh, you had one the other night, Busy Bee. Had one the other night. Uh, first show did okay, and then we showed up to the second show, which is kind of soul crushing. You know, you put mm. yourself out there, you really try to make something for people to come to, yeah. and then nobody comes. Yeah. You know, and. Then they pay you like they agreed to, and you feel even worse because you're like, right. "Well, fuck! Now I just got paid for like for failing for failing." Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Man, remember? <laughs> I, no, I know the feeling though, because remember, like, so we did the uh, the trivia movie night. Oh yeah, yeah, uh huh. The hideout, yeah, yeah. That was like the, the fu- first the first one. Yeah, did well. Did well. Um, and then the second one had a lot of fun. Yeah. And it seemed like, okay, this is the thing people like. Uh-huh. And then we did a second one, and no one. I erased that from my memory until just now. So you're really bringing it big tonight. Not a not a person showed up. <laughs> no. no one. Nobody. Like, that was that, that was rough. Yeah. That was uh, a right. punch right to so the So that was Friday. Yeah. And they, uh, they, they decided we're probably going to hold off on doing comedy until we can move it back outside. Yeah. So I don't know if I'll be having any comedy. Well, there's always you in the mirror, buddy. <laughs> yep, I cover that. Okay. <laughs> Did you kill all the <laughs> Hey, ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lies. Are you, uh, you immortal? <laughs> well. <laughs> you got to tell me if you are. <laughs> Blake twice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to be back next week. If you um, say so. And uh, I'm going to mix uh, my old profession uh-huh. in... With the story we're going to be doing. Pimping? Yes, pimping. Pimping, <laughs> pimping. Uh, no, uh, a little pro wrestling. Okay. Mixed with our murder. Nice. Or our true crime, I should yeah. say. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be able to bring a little bit of an interesting perspective to the story. So and I'll I, bring my perspective to it as well. Well, you you have a little bit of a perspective on it. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, you'll be able to throw in some... some uh, I'm a ring vet. <laughs> I'm yeah, a ring vet. vet. Yeah, ring vet. <laughs> uh, so we'll be back with one more episode before Christmas break. Uh, and we'll be going for a week. So tune in next week. Uh, till then, thanks for listening. Yeah. All the things that we would love it if you did. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, that just. <laughs> and you can just come over and do all the things that I would love for you to do. Oh, that's not. I thought you meant just how sad it was that we have to just. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, that's sad, too. Yeah. But it also sounded like I just do all the things that we'd love you to do. Yeah, you know, we, we'll make a list. <laughs> Check it twice. Shove a hot dog up Jill's butt. That's number one. She <laughs> says it's very easy. That's number one through 12. All right, enjoy. Bye. Bonus and the Jets. Now we're just to cover it up. Right. I don't know, okay? I'm not a part of that world. Trying this again. Joel's <laughs> talking about shoving frozen hot dogs up his asshole. They're not frozen. They're and just like chilled. Them. Oh, chilled. Hot. Yeah, they're, from, they're from the fridge. How, why? You never freeze hot dogs. Oh, I think you said take them out of the freezer. No. Well, if you freeze them, they can go up your ass easier. <laughs> I mean, you have trouble putting thing. stuff up your ass. I mean, a yeah. <laughs> can you just? I have trouble keeping things out. Can you just pop a hot dog right up in there. Oh, it's like, like a vacuum, like, dude. If it just gets, they're kind of bendy. Yeah, and like break easily, and you can just pop one slide <laughs> right on up there. <laughs>
right, well, you have hot dogs with that here because we got to try this. Fortunately, I do not. Oh, so, man. Closest thing I got. Well, I got three in me right now, so let me pull those out. What you can do with that bald head. <laughs> well, I have three in me now, so let me pull them out real oh, fast. Man, you, you hold on to those. <laughs> Never share another man's hot dog. <laughs>